This week, Gone with the Bushes takes us to the South. I'm thinking South Carolina. It seemed a bit, um, I think, yeah, it seemed to start in South Carolina. And then we took a trip. Yeah. But it started in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Started in the South. Did we say what the movie is? This week's movie is... Carmen Jones. Carmen Jones. Aaron's pick this week because... Well, people... I mean, say it loud and say it proud. It's Black History Month. Shortest month of the year, noted. Well, I mean, you know. But it is Black History Month with some famous black entertainers. We have the only, one and only, Dorothy Dandridge. Dorothy Dandridge is in the house. Come on, people. We have the one and only Harry Belafonte. Deo! Deo! Not in this film. No. But we do see his lovely bare chest. We do? We have Pearl Bailey. Oh, Pearl Bailey. A young Pearl Bailey. Uh, I remember watching the Mike Douglas show when I was a, a mere lass. And Pearl Bailey was frequently on the Mike Douglas show. And that was the older Pearl Bailey. But I just loved her. She was funny and sassy. And I think she got me ready for the daughter I would have. <laughs> the funny, sassy Aaron Bush. <laughs> Pearl Bailey got me ready for my black daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I meant the sass part. And the film debut... Of the gorgeous and talented Diane Carroll. I didn't even, I saw that Diane Carroll was in this movie and it wasn't until this morning. I was like, wait, well, who was Diane Carroll in the movie? I saw her and I went, I had forgotten Diane Carroll was in it. And I saw her and was going, that looks like a young, that's Diane Carroll. She was the best friend of Pearl Bailey. Yeah, she was Mert. Mert. Oh, okay. I I, okay. Didn't, I wasn't that so so I like I know who Diane Carroll is, but I'm I wasn't like, oh, that's Diane Carroll. Because she was um maybe the first was one she of the Julia first, uh, black female actresses to have her own TV show. Was that Julia? Julia, she was a nurse. Ah. Mm-hmm. That's just I I never have seen Julia. I just know Diane Carroll was Julia and it was like that was big news. It was. It was in the 60s. Come on. It still was in the 80s and 90s when I would read all the Jet magazines from the previous <laughs> year when I went to my grandma's house. I would just there read them all. There were a plethora all. of Jet magazines. I just go through all the Jet magazines for the previous year since I have been there and just Oh, Diane Carroll, Diane Carroll, Diane Carroll, Julie. All yeah. right, all right. Yeah. Uh, directed by Otto Preminger. Yeah. Otto Preminger probably would be sweating bullets in today's Hollywood. Oh, I think so. He would yeah. be He would be having to get some of that, that SNL's next deodorant. I think he's actually sweating now in his grave. He's, he's just uh, a pile uh, of ashes, just sweaty. 
Yeah, that's how bad he had to have been. He actually uh, began an affair with Carmen Jones, not on this film, but on a, a future film. Oh, no. I thought that they began it like at the beginning of this film, possibly. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who wouldn't begin an affair with Dorothy Dandridge. Can, before we even get into the film, so I watched Carmen Jones and then. I wasn't really familiar. My, oddly enough, my introduction to Dorothy Dandridge was through the 1999 HBO film introducing Dorothy Dandridge starring Halle Berry. So I was like, oh, so I started watching introducing Dorothy Dandridge after I watched Carmen last night. Oh, you had time. I'm going to have to go back and watch it again. Well, I only watch, I I fell asleep right when she was about to get cast as Carmen Jones. Ah, Mm -hmm. okay. I'm going to have to do that too. Okay. Are you going to give us the specifics of? Well, (laughs) okay. Uh, Since you butchered that, I'm assuming, am I going to give you like the rundown on who did what and what did who? Bingo. That's my girl. Ooh. So, <laughs> Carmen Jones is a contemporary version of Bisset's opera Carmen from 1875. Imagine my surprise when they were doing opera. <laughs> I thought you would get it because I thought it was just Carmen. And then it's like, no, it's Carmen Jones. And I, I knew that I even I knew that was an opera. I knew Carmen was an opera. Oh, I just figure like Carmen Jones. Like, well, as soon as the you, opera music started, I got it. Did you think that it was a story of like some woman, like hard scrabble woman, like fighting her way out of a prison? I thought it was a hard scrabble woman dealing with the uh, 1940s South. <laughs> Did you think it was the a precursor to Pam Greer? You're like. I thought Pam yes. Greer was in this. <laughs> yes, I did. I, I was looking for her the whole time. This is Carmen Joes. Where's Pam Greer? Exactly. Why, I thought Isaac Hayes did the music for this. Yeah, exactly. But no, people. Can you dig it? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Go ahead with the specificities. <laughs> so it was written by Harry Kleiner, and it was based on a libretto by Oscar Hammerstein II. I don't know why he didn't just go by Junior, but what's the libretto? What's a libretto? I don't know. I think it's I think it's basically there's the opera Carmen and then Oscar Hammerstein was like, yo, we need to put English on this bitch. That's what I thought it was. He just changed the lyrics. I think so. But you to, know to try to fit the opera. I think that's what I think. And that's what I'm going with. For people it, it's like da 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 yeah, that's that's uh, Carmen. Yeah, that's not Carmen. being an opera aficionado. I did recognize a few of the yeah, tunes. very few, very um, famous melodies. Yes, coming at your ear. So uh, it was directed, as we said, by Otto Preminger. He, this dude, if you listen to the podcast. You must remember this. You're always hearing about him because he was always torturing one of his leading ladies. But he also made a lot of like interesting films. As in torture, you mean 
Um, well, like, like we were saying, you, you would be sweating. He, he was very, um... To excuse me? He could be very demanding in his leading ladies. Uh, a la, a la, um, Hitchcock? Um, yeah. Was it creep, was it creepy demanding? Was there, there was also sexual stuff attached? Yeah, I think there was like, well, I know that he kind of pretty much drove Gene Seberg crazy. Oh. And she was in his film St. Joan and she was in another of his films. He also did The Man with the Golden Arm. He did Porgy and Bess, Anatomy of a Murder. As I mentioned, St. Joan. Yeah, I, I, he was a famous director. Yeah, I he know. was very famous. German, I believe. Oh, there you go with the torture. But he, he, um, you know, he didn't. He liked to push the envelope. He, they went to he and the like the some board or whatever um, over censorship with one of his movies, and he was like, no, and he was, you know, yeah. Well, he obviously liked to push the envelope if he is doing a black adaptation of Carmen. Mm-hmm. And, and okay. he also did Porgy and Bess. Okay. All right. And so it. So we have who it was written by. We have Harry Belafonte. He was the king of Calypso. Huge civil rights activist. He was like... Pretty to look at. Pretty too. to look at. BFF with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that he would he's um if you were gonna put put somebody in a movie now it would be jesse l williams he's you know harry belafonte jesse l williams yeah both of harry belafonte's parents were mixed both of them were mixed mm-hmm. oh, i didn't realize that Indeed. Oh, we have then we said Dorothy Dandridge, Pearl Barely, Diane Carroll. So there is the um whatever you butchered the name of this segment is. And may I say too many pox to count. Oh, I mean the fir- so the the movie opens with a dirt road and a bus barreling down it and it the bus door opens up and I just said, "Well, I'll be doggone." Our POC meter is broken. It went. In fact, people, in fact, let me see. I was like about 15 minutes into this film. I said, well, for this movie, we're going to have to have a fair skinned people of European descent count. (laughs) P.O.E.D. P.O.D. And, and guess what? None. Zipola. Zilch. Yeah. Not a single one. Yeah. How's that feel? <sighs> Feels like me at the Swahili Club one time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> the bus pulls into the bus station. A cute little girl gets out in a pink and white check dress with a straw hat on and pigtails and she goes right up to this place of employment it's a parachute factory that is being guarded by military police Mm -hmm. and they won't let her in because she doesn't have a pass 
You need an ID. You need your ID on you. I believe I have the, your ID to get on a on a restricted area. Yeah, I think that the the parachute factory was on a military base. Yeah, pretty sure because there were a lot of military types. Mm-hmm. So the MPs are saying, you know, are you coming to work? And she goes, now there's a lot of colloquial Southern dialectness in this. So she goes, I ain't here to work. I'm here for Corporal Joe. (laughs) But the um, MPs won't let her in because she doesn't have the pass. Yeah. So then there is um, a bunch of young kids marching outside the fence, you know, pretending to be military. And she joins them. And then somehow she gets onto the the restricted area well, well so the there's the chorus of kids they're like singing a song about how when they grow up they want to be soldiers and through the chain link fence you see the soldiers getting in formation for That's inspection right. and then right. they're all lined up in an inspection and of course you see this one dude all handsome coming in late and he's late to follow in, but because he's so good looking and he's got charm and charisma, there it's okay. It's just okay. And of course, the the little the girl with the pink tail, she's like, oh! And so they get dismissed from from formation, and she's yelling to Joe, and Joe's like, oh! And so they're walking along the chain link fence, and Joe goes up to the the two MPs and is like, hey, this is my girl. And the two MPs are like, well, why didn't you say you were Joe's girl? And then, and they're like, fellas, is it all right if she comes in? And I'm like, no, Joe, like you can't, you can't just have a civilian on the base. And the MPs are like, well, look, Joe, she's your responsibility. And he's like, oh, I got it. This guy, Joe, I mean, he also just hands his rifle off to somebody else. Yeah, he's like, oh, here, put this away for me, please. Yeah, which which it does not happen uh, in real life. But okay, okay, for the sake of art. So she goes in with Joe, and they go into the mess hall. Mm-hmm. And so that it's that's where they like everybody. The, the workers are there for the parachute factory. They're at lunchtime. The soldiers are there. They're all getting their food, and in walks, because at first, I have to tell you. I know, I me too. I thought maybe the girl was was Dorothy Dandridge. I, but then I, there was a voice in my head. I was like, there's no way that this woman is Dorothy Dandridge. No, there's there was absolutely no way. no way. I mean, she's very, she's, she's not ugly or anything, but she was just very plain. And I'm like, Dorothy Dandridge is not going to be this plain looking in Carmen Jones. Not going to be this country girl. Yeah. No. Because in walks Carmen Jones, and you know it right a freaking way. That's Dorothy Dandridge. Holy guacamole. The black shirt and the red skirt and the hairdo. Oh, my God. And so she is walking in, and she and all of, the, I mean, the men's tongues are literally on the floor. They're like, va va voom, a Everybody wants some attention from her, and she lets some guy buy her lunch, and he is so happy to do it. And 
Um, but she's rejecting him. And she goes, I won't pick out a man. He won't pick out me. Because she uh, she's singing a song. And she is after Harry. Well, so, yeah. And she has got... I mean, because honestly, she's come to the factory. She's the woman who comes to the factory decked out in stilettos like she's going to the club and the women are just like the the women are just like what are you doing like i thought you worked here what are you doing she's that woman so all the men love her and all the women hate her all the women are jealous of her well no all the women are well, yeah the women are jealous of her but also they're annoyed at her because they're working they have families and food they don't have time to be all sauntering in all late getting away with stuff exactly they have work to do and very important work may i might add yeah making parachutes for the boys right so she is singing her song, and she is is over singing over Harry Belafonte, who's sitting there with his girlfriend, little pigtail girl. Mm-hmm. And in the song, it says, "If I love you, that's the end of you." Yeah. So basically, she's singing about how all these guys she can have any guy that she wants. All these guys all want to be in love with her, but she doesn't want any of these guys who are all in love with her. She wants the one guy that is paying her no mind. Uh, Word to the wise, women. Word to the wise. And um, so we find out Harry's going to be a fly guy. Ha! Just like my grandpa. It reminded me a lot of your grandpa at this point. Yep. Probably going to end up being a Tuskegee Airman. Mm-hmm. He's gonna. So he. That's like a big deal. He. He's. In, you know. He's in the army, and now he's gonna go off to fly boy school, which is a big deal. That's a huge deal, cause then he's yeah. gonna be able to go and like get an education, you know, save a whole bunch of people because he's gonna be a red tail, he basically single handedly win point, the war. The, the armed forces are completely segregated. And usually the people, the people of color were doing the kitchen duty, latrine duty, you know, the stuff that nobody else wanted to do. And they were actually going to have Air Corps guys of color. It was huge. Huge, huge, huge deal. Yeah. So I did think of your grandpa at that point. So there's going to be a party tonight. She says, pick me up at eight. He's sitting there with his girlfriend. He goes, I already got a date. Cindy Lou. So from now on, it's going to be Cindy Lou Who. How can it not? I know. I was like Cindy Lou Who as well. I'm sorry, Cindy Lou. Um, <clears throat> and she's got a... Oh, and Cindy Lou says to Harry Belafonte, Joe, she's got a hot bundle. Looks like she's on fire just for you. Yeah, so I think, I think everybody goes back to work and it's just Cindy Lou. There's another song. Yeah, because it's Cindy Lou. It's this is kind of a creep. Are you talking about the creepy song, where it's just Harry Belafonte and Cindy Lou, and Cindy Lou's like, "Wow, that woman has it out for you, and she is beautiful." And Harry Belafonte's like, "Who? Her? She's got nothing on you, babe. You look, talk, and walk just like my mom." 
Yeah, it was really, yeah, that was a <clears throat> clear your throat moment, people. I was like, oh, this, uh, just say goodbye to him now, Cindy Lou. Yeah, he got an issue. But he says, let's get married tonight. I have a 24-hour pass. Let's get married tonight. We can have one night of a honeymoon before I go to flyboy school. Right. You wait right here. I'm going to go find the CO to get it okay that we can go get married. Mm-hmm. Well, at this point, Carmen gets in a fight in the factory. Now, do you think that Carmen got into a fight on purpose? Or that, you know, haters going to hate, and so she just always gets in the fights? Uh, could be both. Because she is quite manipulative. And she's very bright. But I see her getting in a fight almost daily. I do, too. And how would she have known that, oh, he was going to, like, he was, the, the whole, the, as the scene unfolds, it's kind of like, I, she, how would she, she couldn't have known that it was going to, like, the outcome was going to be this. She just I actually agree. used the secret and manifested it into existence. It re- yeah, it really just just completely happened. He's uh, so Joe goes to his CEO to ask for time off to get married just when Carmen is being arrested by the MPs. And so the CEO says to Joe, hey, you got to take her to um, to the jail of the people off post. Yeah, because she's a civilian. So yeah, you got to take her into custody because she destroyed government property when she was kicking the girl who came at her's ass. This girl I came at her with scissors and uh, Carmen Jones was having none of it. Yeah, but Carmen Jones was pulling plenty of hair. Well, hey, Carmen Jones got to fight. Carmen Jones will fight dirty. No hair extensions in that time. Oh, she will snatch a wig. So Carmen Jones uh, is there. She puts the charges to her in her bra and she is thrilled that Joe has to take her to Masonville to be locked up. Yeah. And Joe is having none of it because all he wanted to do was get married to Cindy Lou Who. So now he and his his CEO is uh, his CEO is one of the, wasn't his CEO trying to get with Carmen? Well, everyone was trying to get with Carmen. Everybody was trying to get with Carmen. So he was like, I'm on a I, what is it? A furlough, a mm-hmm. leave, or whatever. He had twenty four hour leave or whatever, so he wasn't on duty. And the CEO was like, "I just canceled it." Yeah, you have to do what I say. You think you're all cool, fly boy? So Cindy Lou looks out the window just in time to see Harry, Joe, uh, pulling off in the jeep with Carmen. Oh man! But Cindy Lou says it's okay because the. The, uh, the the sergeant comes in and, and says to her, yeah, you you know what's going to happen now. And Ooh. she goes, no, I trust Joe. Yeah, but the sergeant threw, does Joe dirty. The sergeant comes in and is like, oh, Joe volunteered to take her into town. Which was a lie. Total lie. And so then he tries to make a move for Cindy Lou. And Cindy yeah. Lou is like, I ain't, I ain't with you. Get out of here. And the sergeant just says, uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Another one bites the dust. Yeah, it's like, damn, I am striking out left and right here. So in this Jeep ride, <laughs> Carmen is sexually harassing Joe. 
You know, me too can go both ways. Oh, people. My goodness. She is over. It's like white on rice. She is all over him. (laughs) And it's very. So they're driving. But of course, it's shot in green screen because I was having. I think this would be a great sketch is to have Carmen trying to be sexy if the Jeep was really going that fast. Because it's a Jeep. The wind and stuff. You know, she's getting all bugs in her teeth. She's yeah. in the back lounging. Just, He's like, what? I can't hear you. Her yeah. blouse is going everywhere. Her hair's going everywhere. She's just like, the wind's blowing her eyes. She's crying from the wind in her eyes. The derbs coming up and yeah. getting in her face. So um, she says, don't take me to jail. I'll show you more fun than you've ever had. And we have another song. Yeah. Yet he keeps rejecting her. No, he's like, nope, 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 nope. I'm going to drop you off and I'm going to go back and I'm going to get married. And her, his CO told him, you're responsible for her till you pass her off to the people in Masonville. Right. So, so he's he- taken that seriously. And she can't believe he's really taken her to jail. Because Carmen has had every man she's ever met wrapped around her little finger. Yeah, her little fingernail. It didn't even go down. Okay, so at which point she jumps onto a passing train. Wait, does she, is that when she does it? No, because wasn't, didn't they come to a fork in the road? Not yet. Oh. Wait, not yet. Not Ah. yet. Okay, yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah. Listen to that, people. I'm right. She jumps on a train, goes up, and is is doing the um, Lone Ranger Tonto thing on the top of the train. Yeah. Running across the top of the cars. In in heels, right? In heels. Yeah. I mean, Carmen Jones gets down. (laughs) And he's running after her because he's responsible. This is a responsible young man. I mean, this is the man. This is the kind of man that, yes, we want him to be up there flying in planes. She even says that at one point. So he, she jumps off the plane, tumble, 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 tumble. He off jumps the train. <laughs> the train. He jumps off the train, tumble, 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 tumble. So he catches her. He, use, he takes his belt off, uses it to tie up her legs. He takes out a kerchief and uses it to tie up her arms, throws her over one shoulder, and is walking back to where the Jeep is. And then Carmen Jones, in a feat of magic core stability... Like lifts her <laughs> lifts her torso up so that she's looking at the camera. Well, she's not looking at the camera, but we could see her face as she's like over his shoulder, and it's just like, "Damn, you are strong. You just picked me up like I was nothing and threw you over, threw me over your shoulders." I was right about this one. Yeah. So they come to a fork in the road, and one way says that Masonville is shorter than the other. So she goes, take the shortcut. We'll go through my hometown. I wouldn't lead you astray. No, it's not the shortcut. The shortcut is the road, but the the shortcut, it's like no motor vehicles can go on the shortcut. The long way is going like through her town. And he and she's like, oh, to go that way and we can 
I don't even think that I don't even think that she says anything about her hometown yet. I think they just come to the road and and he's like he's looking at it because it's going to be shorter distance and he wants to get done with her. And she's like, I don't think that you should do that. And he says, well, this is a Jeep. It can take on anything. And she's like, this not this road. And so stubbornness prevails. He goes on the shortcut. They and, and the Jeep is bouncing, bouncing. Um, hope nobody had hemorrhoids because my gosh, that would hurt. Dorothy Dandridge doesn't have hemorrhoids. Are you kidding me? They get to a wooden bridge and he tries to go over the wooden bridge and everybody knew this was going to happen. The front end of the Jeep breaks the bridge. So he gets out and he tries to push the Jeep back up the little hill. Yeah. But even Harry Belafonte's muscles couldn't do that. And she's laughing at him. So he goes, okay, fine. So he's going to carry her. He slaps her over his shoulder again. But he does, when they get to solid ground, untie her because she's going to have to walk. Mm -hmm. And they get to her hometown. Yeah, that's when he, because when they get out, that's when she kind of says to him, well, we we don't have like we have two options. We need to like, keep going that or we just like go to my hometown. The train comes through there. We'll hop on the train. And, you know. Luckily, it was market day in her hometown. Mm-hmm. And she was able to buy a chicken and some vegetables. She says the train's not coming until 10 tonight. I got time to cook you a good meal. Oh, not just a good meal. The best meal he's ever had. (laughs) And one guy gives him a bottle of wine and he goes, I don't need it. I don't drink. And she goes, we're going to take the bottle of wine. Yeah. Well, he gives it to him because he's in the army. I mean, yeah, he's in the military. And he's he I think he finds out that he's a fly boy or he asked or something. And he's like, here, take this. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're going to support our fly boys. Mm hmm. So then we see um, some houses, and there's a sign that says Palm Reader Tarot Cards, and it's her house, and Grandma's in there. Yeah, so Grandma Grandma knows the spirits. I believe Grandma, because she goes, trouble is coming soon. Mm-hmm. So Grandma leaves, because she's not a stupid woman, and uh, Carmen, of course, pours the wine, and Harry goes, I don't drink. And she goes, is that gal at the canteen you're steady? Just how steady are you? And he says, we're getting married. So at this point, he's trying to brush the dirt off of his pants. I never knew trying to get clean could be such a sexual experience. Well, I mean, it tries to be. So she takes the brush from him and she starts brushing the dirt off his pants because he needs to be looking good when he actually delivers her to jail because he's still under the the assumption that he's gonna deliver her to jail yeah then she says your shoes need polishing so she starts to polish the shoes yeah she's basically carmen's just seducing putting she's putting on the she's changed she changed up her her tactic. Now she's going, she's like, okay, 
full out floozy did not work on Joe. <laughs> so now I'm going to be domestic goddess. So she's With cooking. With a touch of seductress. She's cooking. She's like clean, dusting his shoes, cleaning them off, straightening up his belt. You know, the whole time regaling him with these stories and stuff. And you kind of forget, like, maybe Carmen isn't crazy. Carmen's not crazy. She knows exactly what she wants. So she's fixing his belt. And there is eye contact. And she says, don't trust me or yourself. And they kiss. Right. Scene. End scene. Next scene, he's putting his clothes back on. Oh, karma did work. Karma. Carmen did work. (laughs) And there's a note that he finds. Surprisingly, listeners, she ran off. I did not see that coming. Are you kidding me? I I believed she was going to be Miss domestic for him the rest of their life well i mean she did say probably at least three times already how she can't stand to be cooped up yeah so karma's not going to jail karma's not going to jail she says i loved you like i loved no man before like she's never said that before yeah two weeks later it's visiting day at the stockade. <laughs> Man. So Joe got sent to jail because he didn't deliver Carmen to jail. He was responsible. He didn't do it. He's in the stockade. Oh, damn, Carmen. Damn. And who comes to visit him? Cindy Lou Who. Is Cindy who. Lou Who is crying. And he is a changed man. What? Jail will do that to you. Ah, a night with Carmen will do that to you. <laughs> yeah. He tells her, go home to your ma. Uh, I'm just thinking of you. You know, you need to do uh, you need to do what's right. The truth is, Cindy, I know you're all. Uh, and she goes, uh, but I know you're all done with that gal. <laughs> yeah. No, and a package not. comes for him. And, and Cindy Lou Who is like, oh, yay, it's a package from my mom. I told her you were in the stockade. She sent you some stuff. No, no, no. She opens up his package. Oh, the look on Cindy Lou Who's face. Oh, heartbreaking. Cindy Lou Boo Who. Cindy Lou Boo Who, who sang her own parts in this operetta. Oh. Sees a rose and a note. She goes home to mama. Yeah. Scene. We're at an outdoor work gang thing. It's not a chain gang. They're not chained. But the stockade prisoners are doing yard work. And he had put the rose in his pocket and he sees it. And so, of course, a song ensues. He basically, his song is like... um, you ruined my life, and yet I love only you. Right. And at which point I wrote, is is Harry Belafonte classically trained? Because this is true opera being sung well, with American words. Well, Harry Belafonte, both Harry Belafonte, I said the same thing in the, the very first song with Dorothy Dandridge. I was like, my God, Dorothy Dandridge, your range. But... 
It wasn't them. They had their voices dubbed. They did. They did. Be- not Pearl Bailey, not Cindy Lou Who, but er, uh, most everybody else. Because Otto Preminger wanted it to be operatic. And while their voices were fantastic, they just didn't have the range for the they opera. Did, or the classical training. Right. So the song says, I was craving you, Carmen, I love you. He's got it bad. And that ain't good. As she said at the beginning, if you fall in love with me, it's not going to be good for you. Next scene, we're at Billy Pastor's Cafe. Oh, and it is jumping and jiving. It's a jumping joint. Carmen comes in in a cute little pink number. And she goes to the person who is in charge of taking wraps, I guess. Well, the, the coat the check girl. Coat check girl. <clears throat> and she, he, she says, anyone here after me? And she says, well, no, Corporal Joe's been here for you. Yeah, I mean, there, she's like, look, there's been plenty of men asking about you, but no Corporal Joe's. At which point we meet a young Pearl Bailey who does she not totally resemble... Queen, Queen Latifah. Latifah, I wrote that down. Oh my God, it's uncanny. I know. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, listeners. I hit my new microphone. Um, and there a song ensues. I and like this song. It was Pearl Bailey does her own singing in this. It was about the the beat of the rhythm of that drum, like bang that drum, and I was like, yeah, that's right. Our, our drummer girl right here, Aaron Bush. I was like, bang the drum, go ahead, and uh, tell me why you want to dance. Beat out that rhythm on the drum. Beat it out. So there's a huge dance number. Really cool. At which point, everybody's running outside because someone has arrived. Yeah, some Mr. Big Shot. Mr. Big Shot is, I'm going to go with heavyweight. Yes, heavyweight champion. Husky Miller. Husky Miller. Well, he sings a song about fighting. Yeah, you got to stand up. Was it about fighting or was it about fighting racial injustice? (gasps) Ouch. Guess you just have to watch it to find <laughs> out. Well, everybody else ran out to meet his car. Carmen goes out on the balcony. She's Carmen. She's got a... She, yeah, she's so... The, all I kept saying while I'm watching this movie is, that's so Carmen. That's so Carmen. She's not going to be there with the mass of people. She's going to stand on the balcony where she can be seen all by herself. Because she's, sta- I believe it's like a white balcony, maybe, and she's like in pink. So she's just popping. I She's probably done the recon to know that the moon is right there, the lights and everything. It's going to cast a glow upon me. So I'm Nothing can s- make your skin glow like moonlight. Moonlight. I'm sure it was a full one. So everyone goes in the cafe with Husky Miller, and he buys drinks for the house. Well, but Husky Miller does notice Carmen on that balcony. Surprise, surprise. So he goes right up to Carmen. He goes, you was acting so bashful. So he tells his manager, yeah, you need to get Carmen to come and visit me. 
And Carmen says, when she came over, oh, you're acting so bashful. Carmen was like, why are you talking like you know me already? She's not impressed. Mm-mm-mm. She got Harry Belafonte. I'm waiting on my corporal. In the stockade. Well, so this a song ensues where the manager has to entice Carmen to get on the train to Chicago. Yeah, because if he doesn't, Husky's going to fire him. Now, Per Bailey and her bestie, Diane Carroll, Diane right? Diane Carroll are going to be able to go on the train with the manager and the um, manager of the manager who is just, you know, like an entourage. Yeah. Dude. But they say when they get to Chicago, they're going to have furs. They're going to have diamonds. They're going to have fine dresses. But none of it's going to happen unless Carmen comes along. And the manager's name is Rum Daniels. Rum. Yeah. Yeah. Tells me to stay away from him. So he has, they basically say it's going to be all expenses paid to Chicago. And Pearl Bailey's like, well, what do we have to do for it? And Rum Daniel says, nothing really, except you have to get Carmen to go with us. And so, yeah, then they sing a song about it only takes half a day to be a thousand miles away. Mm. They're ready to go to Chicago. Oh, man, they are doing everything they can to convince Carmen to go to Chicago. But she, surprisingly, is going to stay around and wait for Joe. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the manager to, uh, what's his name's henchman? Rum Daniels' henchman says, uh, shit in my mouth and call me dumb. <laughs> I wrote that down. I was like, well, ain't that a quote? Dang. So Carmen goes, just count me out. <laughs> and Pearl Bailey goes, what you got better than this? Yeah, nothing. And she goes, I'm in love and that ain't no laugh. I, I wanted Pearl Bailey so bad to be like, what's love got to do with it? <laughs> well, I thought of I thought of um, our, our current occupant of the White House saying, hey. What you got to lose? A lot, it appears. <laughs> so much. So, but so then she much. ends with, I always did want to see a big town. Yeah. And she tells the manager, I love him. He don't need no checkbook. I'm going to wait right here for Joe. So the manager leaves her a ticket. You got until, I don't know what time, the train leaves. Mm-hmm. And she puts the ticket in her bra. I, I mean, well, she wasn't that busty, so she's got room. She's got room. She wasn't that busty. She didn't need bust. She got attitude. Mm-hmm. So who shows up? Everybody leaves for the train station, and who shows up? Joe. Joe. Yo, and get oh this. Oh, my God. They not, kiss? Not, yeah, they kiss. So Joe shows up, and once I saw Joe in the stockade, I'm like, great. There you go. You blew it. You're not going to get into flight school now, Joe. You're in the stockade. They can't trust you with a plane. Like, right. You have to be You have to be 10,000 times better than everyone else. Your life is ruined. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, great. Your life is ruined, Joe. And Joe You're says, in the new slavery. You're in the stockade. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah, pretty much. But Joe huh. says they get this. His somebody went to bat with him and he's gonna there his space in Flyboy School is still available. He can he's what? still gonna go. He's gonna make it. Wow. And Carmen says, Well wait, how long do we have to be apart? And Joe says um, I mean, like, not that much. It's, oh, oh, he'll be 400 miles away. And every time he gets a pass or whatever, they can see each other. And he shows her the rose. He has kept that rose in his pocket, in his chest pocket, close to his heart, ever since he got it. Yeah. He loves her. But all Carmen is hearing is... You're going to be 400 miles away, which is very, very short-sighted of Carmen. Yeah, she's not woke. It reminded me of Shameless, Carl's new wife. Oh, I'm not there. I'm so far back. Carl's yeah. married now. Yeah, because if it's not about right now, it's not about Carmen. Oh. She tells him, if you loved me, you'd come to Chicago. And he goes, I can't go AWOL again. <laughs> I know. He already went AWOL once and he's still able to like, like he, he's so charming that he went AWOL and the army's still like, okay, we know you did a bad thing. Honestly, his supervisor probably knows who Carmen is. And it's like, look, every single one of us would have done the same thing that you did. Exactly. So we're going to let bygones be bygones. But I can't get no more demerits. You know, I, I, I done spent that, so you can't mess me up again. Except his sergeant comes out. Ooh, and his sergeant has been drinking. And his sergeant is like, you know, Joe is no man for you, Carmen. And the sergeant propositions Carmen. Yeah, and he untucks Joe's shirt. He like like untucks. He's like, look, can't even keep his shirt tucked in, which I that made me laugh really hard. <laughs> and could Joe could Joe really see above this, or did he just see rage? Well, Joe even says, "I can't, I can't do anything. I can't fight you because that'll give me four years. I'll get four years for hitting a superior." Right, which is gonna totally derail flight school. Mm -hmm. Four years. In the stockade, I'm just going to be, you know, a member of the prison population at this point. I cannot hit you. Right. But, but the sergeant keeps on uh, pushing him. So they get in a fight and, uh, yeah, Joe wins. And so they put the sergeant in the bushes. Well, the, well, well uh, Carmen is, she's like, ooh, he looks hurt real bad. Like, dead and so he says well you're gonna get four years for hitting a superior because you hit him or you can leave with me like either if you if you you you're gonna go to prison or you can leave with me and we can get on the train and go to chicago so what are you gonna do i'm getting on the train i'm gonna go to chicago yeah. pretty much a wanted man from now on yeah so it's the train station uh, there are a bunch of Husky Miller signs they're pulling into Chicago. 
So Husky Miller gets off and he sees Carmen with Joe. Now, this this was not the deal. Carmen was supposed to be his. Carmen is supposed to be mine. Carmen and Joe are in a nasty little rented flat right, right. by the train station. Yeah, it rattles every time the train goes by. She's painting her toenails. She tells Joe to blow on them to dry them. So, of course, Joe has to blow on them, then kiss her leg. Then a lot of kissing ensues. So she's going to go out. Joe can't leave the room. He's wanted by the MPs. And the MPs, you'd think there was a war on or something, but the, the MPs are all over Chicago. They're like cockroaches, I tell you. So she goes, hand me my nylons. And he goes, you ain't going out. And she says, I got to feed my man. And I gave my last. And, <laughs> and Joe goes, I gave my last money to the landlady. Yeah, we don't have any money. We got nothing. And they show her she is in zebra panties. I know. Zebra panties. That, yeah. In a bra. And she goes, you can't go out. But he zips her dress up so that she can go out. And where does she go? <sighs> right to Husky Miller's gym. And there's a sign outside the gym. It says Husky Miller training, one dollar to enter. So she goes into the gym. She throws a few coins on the table. She's too bit shy. It don't matter. It's Carmen Joe. Yeah, he, she's just like, Husky's good for it. Inside is Diane Carroll in a fancy dress and a fancy hat. And then we see Pearl Bailey in a fancier oh. dress, a fancier hat, and a big-ass diamond ring. She's just dripping with jewels. So she just went to ask Pearl Bailey for a loan. Mm -hmm. Just just loan me some money. And Pearl Bailey says, look, I know I look rich, but none of this is mine. This is all given to me from rum. And in fact, if you don't go to Husky Miller, they're going to take all of this away from us. So you need to like swallow whatever you need to swallow and just go in and talk to the man. Yeah, like talking to the man is going to do it. Husky wants you. But Husky has the money. Husk, and so she goes in to see Husky. Husky calls her heat wave. And he says, you and me can start the second Chicago fire. Ooh, Husky. Ooh, heller. She says, you're one man too late. So she goes into the trading room. I ain't come here to stand in your corner. I need a loan. Carmenate for sale. So he tells the manager to get out and don't come back without heat wave. So she goes out. Pearl tries to talk her into, you know, being with Husky, as it were. She walks off and she comes back with a lot of stuff. What does that mean? That was my note I wrote. I don't know what that means. So you're talking about when she returns to the hotel room 
And she's got she groceries. She returns to the hotel room with groceries? And she has like a new dress and shoes. And, and Joe goes, you only left with a little bit of change. Where did the rest come from? And Carmen is like, you don't own me. Don't go putting me on no stand. I don't account to no man. Well, that's a little too much for Joe. He grabs her. Yeah. He's like, you, do you understand what I have given up for you? I was going to be a fly boy. I didn't drink. I didn't cheat on my girlfriend. I kind of did cheat on my girlfriend, but okay. I did well, time. I did before you, and now here I am. I've been to the stockade. Now I'm wanted by the MPs. You knew you were going to ruin my life, and you ruined it. You ruined it. Okay. So she goes, well, I might come back, and I might not. And <laughs> yeah. she goes to phone Pearl. So now Carmen's getting dressed up and getting ready to go out again. Yeah, because Carmen doesn't like to be put in a cage. You can't put this Carmen in a cage. I don't like to be cooped up. It's like you can't put baby in a corner. You can't put Carmen in a cage. She says, I'm busting out. And then she asks him, are my seams straight? Oh, you know Remind what? me of Liz Taylor. Oh, yeah. Cat on a hot tin roof. Cat on a hot tin roof. Are my seams straight, ladies? That is the line. And then I said, oh, that's so Carmen. <laughs> Except Joe goes, you ain't going nowhere. Oh, the hell I ain't. And Carmen's one goal, uh, nobody's putting her on a leash. Oh. And he goes, I could stay in this room. This shitty little room with you forever. And and Carmen is like, bitch, how many times do I have to say I don't like to be locked in cages? And uh, this, I know. Are, what are you not hearing? These four walls are a cage. And he goes, you'll never get away from me. And she says, keep a light burning in the window. Oh, again. That's so Carmen. She goes to Husky's hotel room where there is champagne. There is music. He has a sweet baby. A sweet champagne, music, food. Yeah. The manager comes in with heat wave. She's like, guys, I'm here. <laughs> Let's party. Yeah. Easy boy, don't KO me in round one, he uh. says to Husky. So a song ensues. Cards are being played by Pearl and Diane. They have new hats, new dresses, new diamonds, and new furs. Oh, they, and they are just loving life. They just, they're like, I love Chicago. I love Chicago. So Carmen goes, uh, read my cards for me. And the card that comes up for Carmen is? The Nine of Spades. Which I guess is the really bad. The Death Card. It is the Death Card. Uh, and what did her grandma say? Her grandma said there was a buzzard on the, the stoop at half past midnight. And everyone knows that that means death, I guess. Death is coming. 
So she goes, no, 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 no. That's not right. She shuffles the cards again. And what card comes up for her? The nine of spades. Again. So they go into an operatic song about death. Yeah. I'm going to run out every second Every second I got left. So it was almost like when she first got it, she just said, oh, man, like her face dropped. She was like, death. Then she was like, give me the cards. And then it was kind of funny because the first card that she she did, it wasn't. And I was like, oh, I I don't know anything about reading cards. So I was just like, Carmen, you're good. But she it seemed like she just kept going until she got to the nine of spades. And I said, Carmen, that's like that's not how like that's how decks work. You're eventually going to get to the card. What are you doing? And then she like picks it up and she thinks about it. There's probably a song. And then it felt like to me at some point she just was says, oh, well, fuck it. Let's just party's back on, people. YOLO. Live till I die. YOLO. And she kisses Husky. Scene. Next scene, we see Cindy Lou Who walking the streets of Chicago with her suitcase. And I said, oh, shit. Is this some Dateline shit about to happen? Because Cindy Lou Who all of a sudden looked that sad crazy. I noticed <laughs> for the first time how far apart her eyes are. They're pretty far apart. And I was I said, them some murdering eyes. <laughs> If I've ever seen it, she's going to take Carmen out. And uh, if you, if I can't have him, you can't either. And, oh, this is how it's going to go down. Get Keith Morrison. Put, I guess, cast the black Keith Morrison. Put him <laughs> in. And she's singing a song about Joe. Yeah. Well, we cut to Joe, who puts a hat on, because that's going to disguise his gorgeousness. Nobody knows how I look now. And he starts to go out, but he sees MPs coming up at the front desk. So, you know, he's not stupid. He goes out the fire escape. Well, Cindy Lou Who goes to Husky Miller's gym. And she goes in saying, I'm looking for Carmen. And they go, well, well Carmen's in uh, Husky's dressing room. So she goes in, where's Joe? I got to find him before the military finds him. And so where does Joe go? Joe walks into the dressing room. Can you imagine Joe's surprise? He goes into the dressing room. There's Carmen making out with Husky and Cindy Lou Who. Cindy Lou Who. Who expected to see Cindy Lou Who in Husky's dressing room? Not the me. only thing worse would be both of them making out with us. <laughs> just, just all three of them, just, just in, just limbs entangled. So Carmen turns around and goes, "Ah, go away with your street little girl." Oh, oh. oh. <sighs> Harry spent too much time confined in the stockade, confined in the little shitty room, and he pulls. A knife. Yeah. And Husky says, um, I'm the heavyweight champion of the world. You just pulled a knife on me. So you want to do this? And then he takes a towel and wraps it around because he's like, I'm from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> you think I haven't done this before? 
tells him, <laughs> bait your hook for fish you can fry. I mean, if you want to know some one-liners, watch this movie. Carmen's got them all. <laughs> so the MPs are coming. And Cindy Lou Who sings a song about how can I want a man when he don't want me? Well, who ain't sung that song? Yeah, I'm like, that's called growing up, Cindy Lou Who. So a fight ensues. I wonder if I wonder if Cindy Lou Who was just like, I'm sad. And then she just looked around and was and said, you know, Chicago is a lot better than the South. So I think I'm just going to stay here. <laughs> I can do this. I can do this. Oh, okay. So then we have uh, the fight. It's, well, it's yeah. the fight night. Well, let's make it clear. Husky whips Joe. Yeah. I mean, just pummels him. Heavyweight champion. Yeah. Knife. What's in? <laughs> you brought a knife to a heavyweight boxing match? Yeah. Get this out of here. It's like uh, Harrison Ford you know, pulling out the gun and just shooting people. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're walking in, you know, the heavyweight champion. And Carmen is walking in with this white dress and this white fur and diamonds are dripping off of her. Oh, Carmen's looking good. Carmen, oh, she's looking good. Uh, here, Carmen is looking, like, just picture every time you see courtside Beyonce. Ooh, ouch. You know, where she's just like, this This person's on a different plane than us. Yeah. So Harry buys a ticket to get into the fight, and he's got to avoid the MPs. So then the ding, ding, ding bell rings to start the fight. Harry walks in, and he sits behind Carmen. Carmen doesn't even know he's there. Well, he sits there and watch, watches her cheering for Husky. And he just can't take it. She must really love Husky now. I, I must be an afterthought. You see? So he gets up to walk away. Well, in the fight, ding, 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 Harry knocks down his opponent. And so he wins. It was a two-minute, 20-second fight in the second round by TKO. No. Husky. I believe by knockout. Oh, knockout, not a TKO. Yeah. Knockout, Husky wins. He gets out of the ring. He grabs Carmen. They they make their way out. And then, um, oh, we forgot to say that, uh, that um, what's his face? Joe does some, like, you're, what's Joe doing? He went, During the match, it kind of cuts away. He's walking out. He opens a door. He, sees, he finds a broom closet. Yeah, he finds a broom closet. I'm like, okay, what's this about? So then when, after the fight, they're all walking out. What's He does what is probably every woman's worst nightmare and fear. <laughs> She's just walking out, and he, he just lunges and grabs her like a and lion. And he knows in the chaos of after the fight. Yeah, he just goes, does, like pulls off an abduction in broad daylight. Yeah. Brings her into the broom closet and is basically saying, um, what the Come hell? Me or you're going nowhere. Yeah. You know, I think at this at this point he's I gave up my entire life for you. 
Don't you understand that? That's how much I love you. And I am still Team Joe. Really? He, <laughs> I am because he he gave up everything for her. And she's like, I'm going for the money. I see money sign. Yeah, I'm kind of Team Carmen. Like, I know this sounds bad, but I'm kind of Team Carmen in that Joe has, he, Joe's mad ba- bad decisions. He's he, he's made a because series. Because of her. Well, yeah, but they're still bad decisions. <laughs> he still made bad decisions. That's true. Even though it was because of me. He still made bad decisions. I can't trust Joe. How's Joe going to support me? He's got nothing. Yeah. Joe, who has nothing and has made a series of bad decisions, or Husky Miller, who just beats people up. And sure, I mean, not all boxers, maybe, but I'm sure I'll probably get beat at some time by Husky. But... (laughs) No, 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 no. Um, okay, so she's going with the diamonds in her hand instead of the criminal in her heart. Yeah, I think also uh, he's lost some of his luster, he, you know. No, he hasn't. But he has. He's still gorgeous. No, he, yeah, he's no, still he's Harry Belafonte, but he he's knows not the, he's not the same yeah, person. Yeah, he was the he at the when you first saw him, the man that she fell in love with was the cocky fly boy who could get out of everything because of his charm, and the tragedy of Carmen is that that's what she loved, and then when she got it, it turned him into the opposite of that, and then she wasn't attracted to it. She said, "If you fall it. in love with me, that's the end of you." Yeah, yeah. So he, Joe says, I'd sooner kill you. And then a song ensues. Can't we begin again? And Carmen says, we had ourselves some fun and now it's done. And they struggle, struggle, struggle. Stay with me or I'll kill you. He's choking her, I tell you. Joe's got crazy eyes. Joe gets the crazy eyes and he's like, he does the famous line. Well, if I can't have you. And he puts his his big old hands around her tiny little neck and just starts to squeeze in. And then this guy comes in and sees him. And instead of kind of, you know, stopping Joe, he he does the walk in and then walks out. And I, I said, um, aren't you going to like say, hey, at least say, hey, I'm going to tell. I'm going to go tell on you. This is the guy who is a custodian at a fighting arena. Yeah. So he's got to go clean up all the blood and such. He's a tiny guy against crazy eyes Joe. <laughs> I, I don't blame him a bit. Uh, yeah, I guess I, guess I don't. Go save yourself. I don't think that he was going to actually like jump on him and start beating him to get his hands off the woman. That would be nice. But... I at least thought that maybe as he was backing out, he'd be like, I just saw you. I'm going to go tell. You're, you're wrong. I tell you, you're wrong. Well, get your hands he, off the woman's neck. But truth be told, maybe he told the MP. No, he did. He went to tell. But I'm just saying maybe he should have like done a clap at least. Hey, hey, as he's running to go tell. <laughs> OK, the MPs come in. Now, it's too late for Carmen, though. 
Carmen's dead. Joe. Joe. They don't even. <laughs> they Joe's going to be in prison for the rest of he, his life. Joe just looks at her. He's like, damn. He closes her eyes, lays her down. The MPs just let him do all this, too. Th- just stands up and just walks out. And the MPs just follow him. Yeah. I'm like, you're not going to throw him up against the wall? What kind of what kind of what kind of police are you? The end. That's it. That's where it ends. That's Carmen Jones. Whew, that was a ride. Yeah. Carmen's dead. Huh? Her grandmother foretold it. Yeah. Buzzard on the front stoop, people. So. So. Quite a daring feat in what year was this filmed? 1954, I believe. 1954, completely people of color cast Mm -hmm. of the the opera, Carmen. Yes. Harry and... um, Dorothy? Dorothy's voices were dubbed. Harry's voice was Laverne Hutcherson. And Carmen's voice was Marilyn Horn. Also known as Jackie Horn, who is like a super famous opera singer. It was going to be Leontine Price, but uh, something happened. Like she got sick or something? No, no, no. She got fed up with Otto. (gasps) That's what it was. He was so demanding. She said, boy, bye. I don't need this stress in my life. And so Marilyn, she goes by Jackie, was a student at USC. And she was known for, she paid her way through school. But there was this record company, I forgot what it was. um, And they would do, because at the time arrangements weren't copywritten. So this record company would take the hits of the day and re-record them. And she would mimic the star's... um, sound the the vocals like mimic it to a t and that's how she paid her way through school so she was incredibly talented not only at singing not only at an operatic range but also at mimicry of miming miming people's voices and she spent a lot of time with dorothy dandridge so that she was able to sing the opera in a way that it mimed she so had, it was she'd, believable. Yeah, she'd been able to sing in the proper... Re- like, had Dorothy Dandridge been able... Like, if it was in her register, she could sing exactly how it would be and then applied that to the operatic ranges. Of, like, if she could have this range, this is how she would sound. Wow. Because well done. I thought that it... I was like, is this her singing it? I did, too. And Harry Belafonte was so good with the lip-syncing... Yeah, I thought so. I mean, I thought it was him. It was amazing. So, um, Otto had had viewed it to be a dramatic film with music rather than a conventional film musical. Well, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if he like pulled that off. I don't know. I went. Oh, great! A musical. Yeah. Oh, great! Opera music. Yay. He was able to, he produced it independently, 
because ah. he had he had trouble getting financing and then he was able to get financing and when he finally got the deal he was able to um still I forget the details of it but it was still worked out where he was able to do it kind of with all the control and every black actress tested for Carmen Eartha Kitt yeah Everyone. But Eartha Kitt would not allow her voice to be dubbed. Everyone did. And yeah. auto, so Dorothy Dandridge had been in a movie and she played a demure, I think, teacher or something. And so Otto wasn't convinced that she could exude the sultry sex appeal. And Dang. they, and he, like, he wouldn't even, like, consider her. And her manager, went to Otto's brother to kind of be like, hey, you know, please, like, give her a chance. And so when they met, he he gave her the script, and he was just like, look, you are absolutely beautiful. You're a beautiful butterfly. You look like a model. But I'm just not getting the Carmen vibe from you. So she said, all right, Otto, let me have the script. Let me read it. And then... Give me another meeting. So she took it. She read it. She got some help from a man named Max Factor. Hello. Makeup guy you may have heard of. Came back and Otto was like, oh, my God. Who are you? You are you are Carmen. You look exactly like I envisioned Carmen to look. I can't imagine anybody else doing that part. And so she got the role. And then, as because it was a very lengthy pre-production, uh, then Dorothy Dandridge got nervous. Because here's the thing. It had been announced that this is going to be an all-black major motion picture. You got a big-time director doing it. Word has gotten out to the black community. And... Now, not only is it like for your career, you have to be good, but now you have the weight of an entire race on your back with everyone saying, don't mess this up. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a lot of stress. That's a lot. It's a lot of stress to be the, the hope of an entire ask Jackie Robinson. It killed him. It's yeah. a lot of pressure. So she was just like, I don't know. I don't know, guys. I don't know. This is this. I don't know if I could do this part. So she got she got cold feet. So Otto drove over to her apartment and is like, look. You got this. I know you got this. You got this so much. I'm going to sleep with you. And they, <laughs> and they had an affair. Yeah. So she was and she was um, nominated for an Oscar. She was the first black woman ever nominated for best actress. Ever. You know who she was nominated with? I don't. Jane Wyman. I believe that is Mrs. First Ronald Reagan. For Mm -hmm. Magnificent Obsession. Mm-hmm. Audrey Hepburn for Sabrina. Hello. I know. Judy Garland 
for A Star Is Born. A Star Is Born. Grace Kelly. For Career Window. The Country Girl. The Country Girl. Which she Grace Kelly won. We're going to do that soon, but we, not in Black History Month. We have to because she beat out Audrey Hepburn and Judy Garland and Dorothy Dandridge. Well, nobody was going to let Dorothy Dandridge have that back in the day. We we would have to wait several, several years later for one. Isn't it weird that Halle Berry, like Halle Dorothy Berry. Dandridge was the first one yeah. to be nominated and then Halle Berry won and Halle Berry had played Dorothy Dandridge. Yeah. So weird. All right. Yeah. So what else? The chat. Tri- I have all of my um, trivia has already been said. Oh, I got more. I got Go girl. Buckled up. The children's choir at the beginning that was shot on location at a dynamite factory, and <laughs> the the oh, parents the parents were there, and they were observing, sitting on crates of dynamite, just smoking casually. Cigarettes, smoking yeah. cigarettes on top of crates of crates dynamite. of dynamite. So that's good. Yeah. There's 169 shots in the 103 minutes of action in the film, and that averages out to 36 seconds is the length of the average shot, which in the 1950s, the average shot was usually 8 to 10 seconds. I found mm. that interesting because there was, especially in that opening it wasn't the opening, but when Carmen does her first song and she's yeah. in the the mess canteen place, I said, is this all one shot? I haven't seen it cut. But oh. the camera and how it moved around, it never felt stagnant. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Um, Sal Bass, these were his first title sequences. He's very famous for his title sequences and also his posters. Um, What's a title sequence? The, the opening credits, the sequence. The opening yeah. credits were like an animation of a rose with a flame, a fire flame behind it. Now, did it, because Sal Bass went on to, like, that's his style. And if you watched Feud, Betty vs. Joan, yes. the title sequence of that is based, it's... An homage to Sal Bass's style. Yeah, I totally see that. Yeah, animation. Yeah. mm -hmm. So this was his first title sequence. Um, Dorothy Dandridge was also the first black woman featured on the cover of Life magazine. Wow. Mm -hmm. And she still had to go live in Paris. Did she? I mean, she died in Los Angeles in her 40s. But didn't she go to Paris? She she probably did at some point. Mm -hmm. I didn't get that far into it. Okay. Um, And let's see. Oh, and finally, um, James Baldwin was not a fan of this film. Who's James Baldwin? James Baldwin is a famous black writer, Mom. Like, He's really famous. <laughs> Excuse me for being white. He, uh, he's, he's really famous. And he's really famous now because people are going back and reading him and being like, damn, James, James Baldwin was really angry in his day. And 
everything he said is still so true. Well, why didn't he like it? Well, he wrote um, he wrote essays, and one of the essays that he wrote was called Carmen Jones, The Dark is Light Enough. And I just read it before he went on the on the air, as it were. And his he had problems with he had um <laughs> it's hard to synthesize all the problems that he had with it. He had a he had a big problem because he was just like it's not real. And the way that it is depicted is that um he didn't like how he didn't like how Carmen was a black woman and how everybody in it was just kind of amoral and how okay. they were basically the way that they talked and stuff it wasn't like how black he's like black people don't act like this like what is this this is just hollywood taking a story and just putting black people into it and it doesn't it doesn't mean anything it says more about america than it says about black people but then at the very end he kind of says it's he recognizes that it is kind of a good thing because at least it's something right it's like you got to be in the room where it happens yes but he didn't the mu- the music and how the lyrics were changed mm-hmm. he he's just what is this this is like, what yeah, are you I doing see that. Yeah. and he had a problem with the colorism of how every character is light skinned but all the aim, like super amoral characters are dark skinned oh i didn't notice <laughs> you didn't you didn't notice that i did how Dorothy Dandridge uh-huh. and Harry Belafonte are light skinned, and um, Rum Rum Daniels is dark skinned. the The sergeant is dark skinned. He he had a problem with every. The only problem person he didn't have a problem with was Pearl Bailey, because he said that he thought that Pearl Bailey was the way that she delivered her lines. To him, it felt like she had as much contempt for the film as he did. Oh, and how wow. she's just you know saying these lines like she knows and she's in on it and that oh. kind of thing. Yeah, he 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 oh he he just took a blowtorch to the film. I was like, wow. damn, James Baldwin. But but in the early fifties, right? It was fifty four. Mm-hmm. So to get a film made with only black actors had to be a huge feat at all, right? To get it done. Oh, yeah. But it, it, it was still... Cause James of course, Baldwin, it wasn't direct. Yeah, the people behind yeah. it, the directors, the writers, weren't black. Yeah, totally. And that was sort of James... Okay, Baldwin argues, this is from, let me cite, this is from litcharts.com. So I'm not, this isn't me. This is just a summary of his um, essay. 
Baldwin argues that the film Carmen Jones revolves around the parallel between, quote, a moral gypsy and an amoral Negro woman. At the same time, it defies the charge that black people are amoral by making the black characters in the film seem white. The film is an adaptation of 19th century French opera Carmen with a black cast. Baldwin denounces the music in the film as bald and, quote, badly sung and argues that the lyrics are crude and vulgar in a way that is not characteristic of black people. He praises the performance of Pearl Bailey, who seems to convey a sense of disdain at the film itself. He argues that Dorothy Dandridge, who plays Carmen, looks silly next to her far more genuine Bailey. Baldwin also criticizes the speech in the film, which has been drained of the charm and authenticity of real black American speech. The characters themselves seem whitewashed to appear, quote, clean and, quote, modern. Baldwin contends that the film's flaws are the product of Hollywood's condescending attitude towards black people. The film does not represent the reality of black life, and it subtly exhibits disdain for lower-class black people, revealed in the reluctance with which the actors pronounce the the as D. Baldwin notes the fact that most of the actors are light-skinned, with the exception of Bailey, who plays a floozy, and a few other actors who play immoral characters. The movie rids itself of all signs of, quote, excitement and violence as well as sexuality. Moments that are supposed to be erotic are instead, quote, infantile, sterile, and distressing. Baldwin points out that while Dandridge is dressed in revealing outfits, the male lead, Harry Belafonte, is notably desexualized, sex- suggesting that, male, that black male sexuality is still considered too threatening to be represented. Mm-hmm. Carmen Jones remains important not because of what it conveys about black people, but rather what it com- conveys about white Americans. Quote, ciphers, like the characters in the film, do not exist in real life. The reality that the film does represent is the, quote, empty and, quote, disturbed nature of the white psyche. So that's uh, kind of a summary of what James Baldwin thought of it. Alrighty then. Yeah, Yeah, James Baldwin is a very, very interesting character. But it's important to hear that because, you know, you just watch it and you go, Okay, this is a movie, and this to to hear that other side of it is really important. Yeah, to open your open your mind to wow! I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because when I was watching it, I was kind of oh yeah, this is this is kind of cool. This is like this is an all black cast, and they're doing it, but it still is the fifties, and it kind of it still is. Um. Hollywood in a way but I did wonder how how other people thought of it mm-hmm. and so because in these in this essay it's part of a bigger essay where he critiques um Uncle Tom's Cabin and he critiques Native Sons or Native Son the Richard Wright book mm-hmm. so I was like, okay Let's see. And I, because I think I watched a documentary not too long ago that was nominated for an Oscar about James Baldwin. James Baldwin is a very interesting man. Mm. He, I think he might have been the first. That's the angriest black man in America guy. (gasps) Angrier than Spike Lee. Well, yeah. I mean, James Baldwin was so angry that he did go to Paris. (laughs) 
he did just say, peace out, America. I'm going to France and I'm not coming back. Wow. Yeah. And when you read his his arguments and what he says, you know, a lot of it, he was right on the nose. He can you can just take you can just read it and just like you know the whole stuff with prisons. Yeah. Just damn, this guy he saw it, and he was gay, so he. Was, Devil saw it. Yeah. And he was not very attractive. So he saw Triple saw it. Yeah, he just saw everything. Oh, wow. He's just, I'm going to just say it. Duh. It's important to be said for those of us who don't think that deeply and then just need to be awakened to the deeper issue. Mm hmm. Yeah, well it's, done. It's very interesting. Well done. All righty then. Well, that is Carmen Jones. Carmen Jones. So, I mean, overall, I was just and eh, by the film, but I really enjoyed Dorothy Dandridge. I did too. I did too. Uh, you know, it's so easy to just say gorgeous, but. There's so much more there than just gorgeous. And it's really unfair because she was in Porgy and Bess um, with Sidney Poitier because Harold Belafonte turned it down because he didn't like the racial stereotypes in it. And mm. then after that, sort of, it's a, it's a what could have been with Dorothy Dandridge because, of course, she was at a very unfortunate time in Hollywood. Well, I could say the unfortunate time continues because as I'm watching introducing Dorothy Dandridge, I'm just like, damn, Halle Berry's really good. Um, but she was in that affair with Otto Preminger and there were movie roles that Otto told her to turn down for various reasons that maybe Probably he said, all his own. Yeah, and that made him that made them sound like they were good reasons for her career. Like, yeah. oh, that part's too. You shouldn't play that part because it's beneath you. Or uh-huh. she wasn't. There was some part in the King and I. Oh, I think it was Rita Moreno. There were these two parts that she turned down that Rita Moreno took, and I mean, good for Rita R- R- Moreno, you know, for right. that. But yeah. There were two parts that could have been hers. And the, mm. there's only so many. I'm People, right. you've listened to this show. You know how we always do the POC and we do it as a joke. But there, it's not like there are movies where Dorothy Dandridge was going to be cast. Right. And it's not really a joke because I've had friends tell me they never thought of it before. I mean, that wasn't on their radar. Mm-hmm. And, and because they've listened to this, now they're paying attention going, dang. Yeah, and it's why it's funny because, uh, well, not funny, but funny. Like, I have that kind of sense of humor, so it's funny to me, but. She's sick. People are losing their minds over Black Panther to the extent where I was going to make the joke in this saying, I know that everyone thinks that Black Panther is the first movie with a black cast, but we're doing Carmen Jones. Right. (laughs) Just because 
But even I, even I am really excited about it because yeah, there was Blade and there's been other soup, but there hasn't. There's never been a really cool movie with a like a bleed of black cast. Like as I'm growing up, there'd be Indiana Jones, all these movies, Star Wars, mm-hmm. all these movies. But there was never a movie where I would look and and be like that. That guy looks like my dad. Yeah, he could be a superhero. <laughs> and he has been a superhero your whole life. Yeah, my whole life. But I was I was just accustomed to I'm gonna go to the movies and I'm not gonna see that. Right. Wow. Whew, that's heavy. <laughs> okay, so next week, wrapping this up, um I I am conflicted because I was gonna do stormy weather. Okay. With Lena Horn, but then I kind of want to do Porgy and Bess because it kind of ties into this. I'm going to go with Stormy Weather because it's Lena Horn. I like that because we can always do Porgy and Bess for the next week. Okay. So, listeners, next week is Stormy Weather, Lena Horn. The woman does not age. Is Lena Horn still alive? I don't know. I don't know either. Lena Horn, I have. It wasn't too long ago that I was on a, a YouTube rabbit hole and I was watching Lena Horn do some interview. Or maybe it was the you can you must remember this. They did one with Lena Horn. And then they said something about some interview and I went to watch it. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I think she's still alive. She was born in 1917. Oh, died 2010. I thought that, yeah. I thought she was still alive, still looking gorgeous. Well, you know, Ma, it's it's Black History Month, so I can say it. Black don't crack. Black don't crack. I I have learned that from personal experience. (laughs) White cracks, people, white cracks. Ma, you look good, though. Because you got that black don't crack. You learned about the cocoa butter. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, listeners, next week, for listeners, we will see you for stormy weather. You have to say your bye-bye. Bye-bye.